today, I'm so excited to bring you this episode, which features Laura. She's the OT butterfly on Instagram, and she's going to tell us all the ins and outs of how she grew her TPT business, how she added an online mini course, and she did all of that in under a year of business. And I'm going to tell you more about her in a minute. But before we started, I wanted to invite you to come over to my brand new free live workshop, which is happening this Sunday. If you're listening to this live, it's happening this Sunday. January 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I wanted to make sure to get my podcast listeners in on this because you guys are amazing. And I'm so honored that you choose to spend your 20 minutes, you know, your commute to work or whatever with me. And so this Sunday night, you know, get your PJs on. It's kind of late on a Sunday night. Grab a cup of tea and a notebook and some sticky notes and come hang out with me because I'm going to be live teaching you the three major things you need to know for marketing with intention in 2020. So I'm going to teach you the three biggest mistakes business owners are making when it comes to marketing their business. I don't know why the number three, but we're also going to figure out the three core values of your business. And those core values are going to drive everything you do in 2020. So you know how you come up with that like one word for the new year, but we're going to be kind of coming up with the three core values for your business, which is so important and builds a really good foundation for you. And then I'm also going to be telling you my signature five step framework, which is really like my bit, my business baby, right? It's the thing that I teach and over and over again, and that I think leads, uh, that I know leads to us building a solid foundation in marketing and a core understanding of what you're doing with marketing and not feeling like we're all over the place. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you about the framework. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is and what the steps are to build a solid foundation in marketing. And it's also going to include all the updates for the new year because we know that each new year is different when it comes to marketing. And especially in 2020, we have to break through the noise and grow our online business in new ways. So this training is going to be seriously juicy. I just updated it. It's brand new. I don't want you to miss it. And I have to tell you, though, that I signed up for a software to use it that only allows a certain number of attendees inside. So you do need to reserve your seat, but it is totally free. So before you forget, put this episode on pause and get over to alyssamcdonald.com slash workshop. I'll put the link in the show notes and that will save your seat and I will see you on Sunday night. We're going to make this the best year yet in your business. How can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle podcast. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on me. I'm a fifth grade teacher, toddler mom, and serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and bringing you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We are going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. You are in for a real treat for today's interview with Laura from the OT Butterfly. She is an occupational therapist. She's a mom to an adorable little toddler. She is on her Instagram teaching all of us all the tips and tricks we need to help kids with sensory needs. And Laura's on the show today because she is a Teacher Hustle University 
crew member and she has been since the beginning. She's become one of my very close friends on uh, Instagram and she has a great experience to tell you about. She started her business online about a year ago as a Teachers Pay Teachers seller and she recently added an online training to be able to grow and scale her business. And she's done all of that, plus really worked hard on her marketing strategy in under a year. And she's been doing such a nice job. I always tell her she's my star student. And so I wanted to have her on the show to give you some tips and tricks that she's learned along the way about marketing and about mostly about beginning an online course or a training. If you're ready, um, if you think this is something that you may want to add to your business, you definitely need to listen to this episode because Laura gives you all the tips and tricks you need to be able to create a simple online training for teachers on a budget. So here we go. Let's dive in and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So Laura, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. Laura is sort of my Insta bestie, I would say. So it was really (laughs) nice of her to come on and talk business on here, but we actually met through business because she became a member of Teacher Hustle University as one of the very first beta members. She took a chance on me and then we ended up um, getting really close, just talking way too late on Instagram stories that my husband is like, who are you talking to (laughs) at three in the morning, but we're in different time zones. So I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us about your kind of uh, business journey and where you are now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your business and how it got started and, and your journey a little bit? Of course. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited to be here. I remember talking about this with you for forever ago, saying that like one day when you have a podcast, I have to be on it and you invited me. So thank you. <laughs> here you are. Um, yeah. So my TPT journey, I feel like is somewhat unconventional in that I didn't quite well, for those of, let me, let me back up. For those of you who don't know, I have a Teachers Pay Teachers store and I'm the OT butterfly. I am an occupational therapist. And the way the whole thing kind of started was really, I kind of went into it with uh, a little blindly, a little impulsively, if you will. And that's kind of not my personality, actually. I'm actually such a, an overthinker. Um, to the point though, where it stops me from a lot of things. So that's, so I really am grateful that I decided to kind of dip my toe in the TPT waters because it kind of just spiraled in a good way into a bigger thing. And I never would have guessed a year ago, not even a year ago. I think I just uploaded my first product in in February of 2019 um, that I never would have guessed that I would be calling myself an entrepreneur, a businesswoman that I own my own business because I mean, like I said, I just was such a scaredy cat and such the, I I definitely have that imposter syndrome. So, um, it definitely started out with just, let's see what happens. Right. I not go into it with saying, I need to make this much money. I'm going to turn this into an empire. I'm going to do this and that. It was just, this looks kind of fun. And it was really fun. And then, you know, I learned maybe I could add some Pinterest to it. Maybe I could also show some stuff on Instagram. And once I started my business Instagram account, that's when things really took off for me. And that's when it became an obsession. (laughs) 
Um, I definitely have one of those personalities where once I find something I like, I just go full force into it. And so I poured my heart and soul into Instagram and it surprised me by becoming sort of a therapeutic outlet because I started sharing some personal things that I'm going through with my daughter, with figuring out some of the behavioral stuff going on with her. And I made so many connections. And so Instagram has been sort of, it it kind of added to my brand unintentionally. Again, something I didn't go into it for. Yeah. But yeah, my daughter ended up being a, a huge part of my brand and it's working and it's therapeutic for me. I'm making connections and I'm helping other moms who are going through the same thing. Uh, it's just been an amazing journey. I think it's so cool to hear how you started up because I think so many teachers do that same thing where they jump in and they're like, you know, I've heard that other people are creating products for teachers pay teachers. Let me just dabble in this. Let me just start and see where it takes me. And sometimes we can, I mean, there's a million reasons we can get stuck, right? You mentioned like overthinking it or even feeling like I don't have enough time or I don't know how to show up in this space. And then Instagram, I think magnifies all of that stuff. So like if you were overthinking, putting your resource on TBT, like talk about Instagram is, is that tenfold. There's so much more pressure there. It feels like sometimes. And so we can get really stuck and lost. So I like that you jumped in and jumped in as yourself. It, it, it is really difficult to talk about personal um, pieces of your life on Instagram. And I think that doing that is something that can really make you stand out just being vulnerable like that. Um, I didn't have this on our list to talk about, but since you you mentioned that your daughter has become and momming has become part of your brand, can you talk to us a little bit about your decision to bring that piece in? Because it does have to do with your niche with OT and everything going on. Um, talk to us a little bit about that decision, because I know some people, you know, will include personal things like that and some will not be comfortable. Yeah, so... I think my first thought of including her in it was I wanted to get more comfortable on Instagram stories. And this has been my theme with my live. I invited a friend on and I was kind of feeling awkward with doing Insta stories, but I really wanted to jump in. So I was like, this is an easy icebreaker. Just bring my cute daughter on and like have her repeat things I say or like look cute for the camera. So I invite, I, you know, I just did fun stories with her in it. And then And then actually the first, I I showed some ideas of how I play with her, but really she's kind of outside of my, my um, expertise. So I work with kids ages three to like 12 and she's my first kid. So really be uh, before three, it's kind of uncharted territory for me. So even I was figuring out how to play with her and her developmental milestones. Those things are, are things that I still have to learn from others, even though a lot of OTs work with this early intervention age, but it's, it's new for me. So I didn't quite want to share tips on how to play with them, but I was just showing some OT ways to adapt certain activities. And then I think it was maybe a few months after that, maybe two or three months after I started showing her on Insta stories, I realized how much engagement I was getting from her. And I was thinking, 
do they just think she's so cute that they're just liking it or are they interested in more? And then right around that same time though, I started noticing actual sensory processing challenges, which that expertise area, that's all me. I totally, I am super into all of the sensory processing. That's my specialty at work. And so it became kind of an opportunity to educate my audience, like kind of live as it was unfolding. Like these are the signs that I'm seeing in my daughter and I'm kind of worried about it because it could turn into this, this, and this. And that's when I got a lot of moms saying, oh, I see this in my kid. Or I remember my daughter when she was two also did that. And it opened up a whole new audience. Um, And then I started kind of getting um, more comfortable with including her in it. So again, it wasn't one of those things I a preconceived thing where I sat down and decided, should I include her or should I not? It just kind of happened. And again, I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah. The magic in what you're saying, I think, is the fact that you took one step that felt right at the time. And then that's when the doors open and you kind of could listen into what your audience was saying and kind of make your decision from there. And uh, I've been talking a lot on my Instagram about finding your niche, finding your, uh, figuring out your brand. And my number one piece of advice is that people just take one step, Mm -hmm. one baby step, and you never know what doors it could open because that's, perfect for you. It's, it's relatable. It's helping you, I'm sure to connect with others and to kind of see your, um, to be able to put a, shine a light on helps other people as well. So it's just kind of a win-win all around that you never would have probably thought of had you not just jumped in. You're right. That's exactly it. If I didn't just jump in, if I didn't just get that first start, I, I wouldn't have done it. I definitely suffer from analysis paralysis. Yes. Like I will just overthink things. Something else that kept me going and sharing her journey was the DMs I was getting from people that were saying, thank you for being so brave, for sharing all this information. And I kept getting that word a lot, brave. Thank you for being so open. And I was so confused. I said, "What? why is this brave? Why is sharing, because she has some sensory challenges, brave? And I asked one of my colleagues. She even messaged me. She goes, I love what you're doing, that you're being so open. And I said, is it really a big deal to share that? It almost made me second guess even more. Like, should I not be sharing this? Is something going to happen? But when I talked to her more about it, she goes, no, there's a lot of experts in the field of child development who show their perfect lives or show their perfect kids and their development. And they they are scared to show any truth to it. And it kind of is unrelatable. And once she said that it clicked because I feel the same way about whatever I'm trying to get into or learn from someone. I don't get super inspired by the ones that are perfect and glamorous and so, so successful. I get more inspired by the ones that are more relatable and that do it um, as best as they can and still kind of make mistakes and admit it and are just more personal. So I, when she said that I got it and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because people need more of it. Absolutely. And I think the takeaway there too, is to be vulnerable, to be able to come out and share your struggles. That's what we're looking for. We're looking to see ourselves reflected in someone else We're we're smart enough and savvy enough now as, you know, Instagram users or internet users in general, that we can kind of see through the perfection. We're like, okay, I looked in an account the other day and I'm a toddler mom too. And you know, cause we talk about this all the time that my son has sensory uh, stuff going on as well. And uh, you know, it's a struggle. And I came across this account 
a very large account with just this perfect family and all their perfect adventures. And I mean, they were a beautiful family. It was a wonderful account, but I was like, I cannot follow them because there is no way that toddler is not having a meltdown going out the door, you know, to your adventure. And I want to hear about the meltdown because that makes me feel better about, you know, what's going on in my life. It's got to be relatable. So we have to be able to pull back the curtain. We have to be able to get past that curated feed of images on Instagram and really show people. People want to see that relatability, that behind the scenes um, piece that that just makes them feel like, huh, okay, these are my people and we're in it together and I've got somebody on my side. So it's so cool that you can bring that in to your brand and your business. And I love that. Yeah. Laura's been so, her Instagram account, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but uh, you've done such a nice job of being able to feature your products and what you can deliver for people who need it, along with advice and tips and tricks that people need. So your account is a mixture of teaching and also showcasing what you have to offer. Very quickly, you were able to grow your TPT store and you added on something else pretty quickly. I, I How deep into it were you when you decided to add a workshop into the mix? So the idea of the workshop, I think, came on this summer in June or July. And I, again, I started Teachers Pay Teachers in February, so not too far after, but it was really my first big launch, which was technically, I think, like a micro launch now that I look back at it, because again, this is just going back with the theme of how I do things. I kind of go into it and then I, and then I reflect on it later versus trying to do it beforehand. And I was telling you what I've been doing. You're like, you've, you've been doing launches without knowing it. Cause I was, I was, I did a coaching call with you and I'm like, after doing that, I'm like, I'm too scared to do this launch. There's too many steps. It it was that pre, like knowing what to expect kind of freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you've done this just, you didn't even know you were doing it. I'm like, okay, you're right. So I did a mini launch of a product that I was my first like big project. Um, that was a classroom guidebook for teachers on sensory processing. And it was a printable for OTs and you helped me with everything from how to lay it out, what's more appealing for teachers and to how to talk to my audience about it and how to launch it and all of that. And the big part of it was doing the live for the launch of it. And so once I did the live and all of the stories leading up to it on Instagram, I realized how big of that gap was that I really, how big the gap was that I didn't even anticipate the response. So when teachers started to engage with me, I realized that they really, even special ed teachers had zero training on sensory processing if any training at all on developmental needs of kids, that that was such a big mind blowing thing to me. I did an Instagram quiz to say, if you're a special ed teacher, how many of you received special training on kids with developmental delays? And a lot of them said none, like they were just thrown into it. And that just blew my mind. So that, and then some engagement on the live made me think that there's, there's a bigger need here. And, um, I had asked Jessica, my partner in this project, Jessica from Foundational OT. She and I 
did a live call together. I had her call in because I was scared of talking to an empty screen and just overthinking things. So she called in and then afterwards I was chatting with her. That went great. Thanks for doing it. And then we just kind of rolled into all of these next ideas. And then I said, do you want to do this project with me? I have an idea. And she, she said, yes. So it kind of just turned into something else again without me thinking into it. Yeah. I, I don't have these big, like aha moments, dreams. I'm going to do this tomorrow. It's just, what happens if this, and I just start talking about it and then I'm already committed because I said it out loud to someone. Yes. I like that. Get that in there and commit to it. Yeah. I just want to go back for a second because there are so many gems here. The first being that um, in the Teacher Hustle You crew, we talk about launches on Instagram and we call them mini launches. And that would be if you have a higher price product that you want to kind of create some buzz about, uh, whether it's new or if you want to like, you know, just focus on it, you want to bring some focus back to it. Maybe it's seasonal or something like that, that you should be doing a real launch around that, that Instagram should not just be used for connection, although that's a wonderful thing. It should not just be used for mindless scrolling, but that we should really be using it as a sales tool. And a mini launch is one way to do that. So you were one of the first crew members to feel ready to really try out that method. And what I love that you said is that from that, you were able to gather information from your ideal audience by surveying them and quizzing them that actually sparked something a little bit bigger uh, that filled a need that was there that you didn't really know about before. So there are so many things that can come from launching your products and uh, so many wonderful things. And one great thing is just understanding your audience a little bit better. Not only are you showcasing what you have to offer, but you're able to get a clearer picture of what they need and respond to that. So that's just, uh, you're a star student. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You got an A. Um, Now you said when part of the mini launch is to go live. And I remember talking to you about it before you did it. Like, this is going to be scary. It's going to be rough. It is a little awkward. I love that you had Jessica call in to kind of ease that a little bit. And, and then partnering with her helped you feel a little bit more ready for taking this on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so after we did the live, I, you know, felt excited and accomplished. And even she was like, I'm really excited to do more of those. A little, just a little backstory was she and I went to grad school together and she saw what I was doing on Teachers Pay Teachers. And I was raving about your course, I think for your second launch after I had joined it. And she was kind of asking me about it. And I said, Hey, if you are trying to do any kind of side hustle and educate more about OT, which she has that early intervention um, niche expertise that I don't have. And I said, if you want to do that, start Teachers Pay Teachers, do it for your school-based OT stuff, do it what whatever you want, but join Alyssa's crew because she will get you started on the right foot. And so I worked my magic and she joined in. And then so at that point she was in, and I think that was right before we did the live or right after, but at that point she was like, okay, what's next? So I got her passionate about doing this and educating others. And what's great that she brought to the table was she actually works in the schools as a school-based therapist, but she also has some sensory processing, um, 
expertise. And I say those as separate things because a lot of school-based OTs really don't have a sensory processing or sensory integration background at all. Mm -hmm. And I know this because Jessica and I went to the same grad school program and we got maybe one day on sensory processing. And the rest that I've learned was from my internship, which later turned into my job. So from my mentors there and then from continuing ed I've taken. But so there's a lot of OTs that didn't know about it. So she has that um, unique perspective of having both sensory and classroom-based experience. And so I really benefited from her experience in the classroom because for me, I work in a private clinic and I had to get her take on, would teachers really do this? Because I suggest a lot of my strategies to teachers that I work with and collaborate here in person. But a lot of them end up not being able to follow through with strategies. And what I identified was the problem, the gap was they didn't really understand why they were doing it. Why do I need to put a wiggle cushion on my kid's seat? Mm -hmm. Why do I need to let him sit in that chair versus this one? Why do I need to give him bathroom breaks every hour? I'm not going to do that. That's going to disrupt my class. So there was just that gap in knowledge of understanding really why it's important and how it could actually affect it, not just here's a list of things to do. But Jessica really brought to the table the more of the practical suggestion. She goes, oh, I've seen in a classroom that can't afford this sensory tool. We've, we've DIY'd it by like a milk crate and a ball inside, something like that. So she came with a lot of practical ideas and together we kind of um, made a good team to provide education on the theory behind sensory and then also some practical strategies for the classroom that she's actually seen done and has an idea of what the schedule looks like in the classroom. So it was a no-brainer to have her help me on this project so that it was a little bit more relatable for our initial avatar, which was teachers. I I feel from a teacher perspective that I, as I'm hearing you talk about that, I can totally relate. I don't know how many times I've asked for, you know, strategies to use with a student. And then after being given them, I'm thinking, well, why am I doing this? Or what's the philosophy behind this? Or is this really working? Is this going to help things or hurt things? But the second piece I love, of course, from the business aspect is that you didn't look at Jessica as your competition and say like, I'm going to hide this idea from her and try to keep it all for myself. You were able to say she has a strength that this particular hole in the, um, you know, area that my niche needs, needs to be filled. And she is going to be able to help me fill it together. This product is going to be better for teachers and for kids. So ultimately collaboration is better for kids. So we have to be able to put aside any sort of nervousness we may have about that and come together to make our products stronger. So I love that piece as well. Uh, And when you came together to form your workshop, you had a lot to think about. You had to plan what it was going to look like. You had to plan who you were going to market this to exactly how you were going to launch it. So how did you decide on the format, the price point, how to launch it, all of that? How did you make those decisions together? Well, you were part of that decision-making process again. We, I said, okay, I said, Jessica, I, we were trying to do it on a budget, but I said, if we're going to splurge on anything, we need a one-on-one coaching call with Alyssa. We have to do it. And then she agreed. She goes, okay, you're right. Because I do go into a lot of things blindly. And I did have a little knowledge of the mini launch that you and I had done, but this was something bigger. And again, a course was something that you've always mentioned to me. 
And I'm like, no way, I'm not doing a course. I can't do that. I can't teach anyone. Like I can teach them through Insta stories, but I'm not going to like put it on paper and, but it happened. So, but I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I really want to do it right. And we just, she and I had so many different ideas that we really needed your help to kind of focus in on what would work best for us. So after our chat with you, we decided that our avatar was going to be special ed teachers. Um, that was, and we'll talk about this little later, maybe to follow up, but that was our initial avatar. And it, we kind of ended up having to um, broaden our avatar. And so we, we decided on that avatar and then we knew we both did not want to do anything live. We did not want to do a live workshop. We didn't want to do anything like a live Zoom. I said, I, I can't do that. Not yeah, for so like, not for like an hour. Right. We talked about the different formats of delivering teaching online. And so I'm sorry that I was just making a little noise because I've been taking all kinds of notes here. But one thing <laughs> that we talked about was just, you know, you could do a live training you could do a pre-recorded training. You and those—that's a really big decision right there. There are benefits to both of them. And if if people are thinking about creating an online uh, training, I'm going to link in the show notes to some of the resources I have that help you kind of decide on that format which one would be better. To it really depends on your audience. And so y you didn't want to, pre you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on a one-hour live presentation. But also because of who your ideal audience was and the time restraints they may have and the um, ability to commit thought and brain space to this, you know, you knew you had to take that into consideration too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think all of those other reasons of considering our avatars need and what they would want to see from us, I didn't think that live would work. And also Jessica and I were just terrified of trying to make that work for an hour and talk. We just were not ready yet. But so we decided pre-recorded. And then, so once we decided that, our idea was to do some kind of Canva presentation um, with some slides on the information and then pre-record, we wanted to do a video record of us talking about the information where there's kind of that picture in picture, like a little bubble of, our, of us talking live at the bottom, just so there was more of a personal feel to it because I personally, prefer more of those teaching methods where it's a pre-recorded of slides so I could read the information, but I do like seeing the person talking. It just, that visual feedback of seeing them talk helps me follow along a little better. You know what? So. It's funny that as teachers, we have such an advantage when it comes to creating online training out in the, in the marketing world where there are, you know, thousands and thousands of people getting into online education. There are actually entire courses devoted to helping people learn how to teach online. <laughs> we have that advantage. Like that's our strength. So really thinking about what your audience is going to need from you as far as being able to take in this information, utilize it, turn around and really keep it valuable for them. That's our strong suit. So I love that you kind of considered that they may need something visual to look at, plus that connection piece of the face-to-face -face for sure. Right. So, so, and Jessica and I had decided we both like that aspect of having our picture in it. Come to find out later when I was really, really deep into all of the technical pieces and still trying to keep in mind that we had a budget, which was basically nothing because we were, you know, starting our first course, we couldn't really invest in some of the monthly 
um, memberships that you would need to host for a platform. The software, yeah. A software, yeah, to to allow that video. So we had to be okay with not having the video. And that's one of the things we had to kind of let go of. Yeah, we talked, I remember in our coaching call, a little bit about, you can totally do this on a budget. You can totally create online training on a budget. You can also create online training and spend a whole ton of money. You can go either way, but you girls really had the goal of being able to put this teaching out there to the world without letting that be something that stopped you, waiting for the perfect software, setting it up perfectly. And I know there was some bit of hesitation there, like, are we really going to, you know, is this going to come off unprofessional? But in the end, it didn't, right? It, it really came together. On it came together on a budget. And I learned so much from it. I did all of the back end for the sales page. I figured out how to upload the video and embed it and add a password and how to link our email to the transaction. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. But now I know how to do it on a budget. Now, anything else, any other course I do from here is going to be easier because if I do choose to invest, then it's going to be way easier, Mm -hmm. but I know how to do it from nothing, from scratch. Exactly. You have to jump in and kind of do the hard back end work to understand how all of this, I mean, you are talking about setting up like a basic funnel and really getting your landing page copy. There's a lot of pieces that go into it, but jumping in and doing kind of a mini training gives you all of that background knowledge so that if you ever do want to do something more in depth, you already went through all of it on a smaller scale. It's so much easier to put it together on a larger scale when you've been through there are a million different pieces to think about that you don't even realize until you get in to the back end, but you were able to really pull it together. And even though it was on a budget, it looked very professional. I don't think anybody was like disappointed or saying, oh my gosh, this is not on a professional (laughs) software platform. And you know, you were able to tackle all of that. I will say that for anyone listening that the, what did make it a little easier was, so Jessica and I partnered, but Jessica again was brand new to the Teachers Pay Teachers game. She didn't have her own website yet. I don't know if she does now, but she hadn't started her website yet and she didn't have a mailing list. I had both of those things because of Alyssa already being in the crew. So I had all of that kind of set up already. So I hosted the sales page on my website and I had my MailChimp that I already was paying for monthly through for my own OT butterfly mailing list. And you can add a separate audience on there. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of had that in already in place. So that little uh, foundation already helped going into it. So I'm sure there's still ways to do it without having all of that, not to discourage anyone that doesn't have that set up, but that having that kind of foundation made it a little easier for us to get started. Absolutely. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't recommend that people just totally jump into this uh, totally fresh with no kind of background going into it. I think the fact that you had already been through the framework in Teacher Hustle University, you had a good solid marketing strategy underneath you, allowed you to be able to make this decision with confidence and kind of utilize the resources that you already had. But the encouraging part about that is you weren't, it's not like you were so far into it. You were, what, six months, seven months maybe into your journey? I mean, yeah. 
it'll come. The time will come where you feel ready to add something new on. It just may not be the first day you jump into your business that you're adding in, you know, an online training with, uh, with a landing page and all of this backend stuff. There will come a time where you're like, okay, there's a need for this. I'm ready for it. Let me jump in and give it a try. Now we are dying to know, and I hope that it's okay. We did talk about this first. If you share with us, but we are dying to know you did it on a budget. Um, what was your sales goal going into this? And then what were the results? And did you feel it was worth it uh, to go through all of this work to put out this training? Finance. Yes, exactly. Because that's what everyone wants to know, right? That's why everyone's Tell here. Tell us about the money. Let's get, let's get into it. So I don't think I answered your question earlier. Our price point ended up being 47 dollars for the course. And so the course came with the pre-recorded presentation that at the runtime was a little over two hours. And it came with a PDF printable of the information. And we also added this Excel database of um, along the bottom has different, all the different sensory systems. So vestibular, proprioceptive, and tactile, and all the strategies with pictures and specifics on how you can use it in the classroom so that you can go back and reference this. So adding that little Excel sheet piece to it as a part of the, like that bundle of the course kind of allowed us to justify having a little bit higher price point. But our idea of having that also allowed us to, again, knowing the teacher perspective of how people learn, we didn't want to overwhelm them with too much visual on the presentation, but we also didn't want to talk blindly about it, just keep going and listing, you can do this, this, and this, and this without having them to look at. So we said, let's just add this database and then it will feel like an, an extra piece to it that's of worth of value. And then on the back end of the database, we included our favorite products, our links to our own TPT resources. And then we even got some discount codes for some blogs and resources that we love. So Pink Oatmeal, one of the physical therapy blogs that does great movement breaks and our own Megan Fox from Wu Tape also gave us some discounted codes for her amazing um, uh, tape that you can write on for to adapt paper. So we got some codes that uh, if people purchase from us, they could click on it and it had a code for them to use at their checkout. So the, that database itself just added more value. So our price point was $47. Can I just stop and talk about that for a second? Because I have to say that I absolutely love that package. Uh, the two hour presentation feels doable. That's what I like about that. You knew your audience were, was going to be teachers. You knew they didn't have tons and tons of time to be taking in this training, but that it was something that they needed. Uh, and then you gave them the database that had more resources they could use if they wanted to take it further. I also love the collaboration piece with the discount codes because now you're bringing in some of the connections you've made on Instagram and helping them grow their business as well, plus helping teachers utilize those trusted resources and the PDF. I just think that is such a wonderful package and really a great buy for teachers um, that are wanting to really understand sensory needs in their classroom. All right. So what were you hoping to sell? How were you hoping that it would go? So we made a goal of selling 35 to, to 35 people. Mm -hmm. And we ended up on the last day of the launch. We launched for seven days and we ended up with 28. So we were just a little short of our goal, but the launch did not go as planned. And this was one thing we planned out to the T, what stories we would put out. We had a meeting about it. But life 
mom's mom life got in the way and it, we, it didn't go as planned. So having said that, we are so proud of how the launch went. I still consider it to be a success and I absolutely do not regret any ounce of sweat or tears or late nights that went into this because now it's there and we've done it and we can relaunch it when we're ready and we can now we can focus all of the energy on launching and not just coming off of the creative the the content I mean I think I had finished um finalizing in our iMovie in our presentation like the night before pre-launch yeah. And it just uploaded. I updated the links and I was like, okay, we're ready. And then went into it. So now that's behind us and we can just really focus on the launch, which I think um, is, I'm, I'm excited for. What's so cool about this business model is that you are creating a product that you can put out again to the world when you're ready. And like you said, focus all your energy and just from experience, absolutely. I can relate to that launch. There's so many pieces that go into this, even if you're launching a mini course or a training versus a full blown membership, like I'm launching, but at the end of my launches, I literally, the first two launches got a cold, got sick, like the day after, because it really zaps your energy it, to be present that much, to be answering questions and to be showing up and to really put your all into it because you know, you, you know, this resource is so valuable and you want to get it in the hands of, of teachers who need it. And you've worked so hard on it that piece takes all of your energy. And then to try to get it out to people is just a whole, a whole nother area of energy. That's like, you're just done afterward. But the second time around, for sure, the content piece, you can tweak and make it exactly the way you want. And then you can really focus on the launch. And I have to say 28 people for your first launch, do not underestimate yourselves. That is amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Really, really impressive. And I have to ask as being a mom and talking about the launch and how kind of, you know, there are always kids in the background when I'm launching. Like I, I am so grateful for everyone being able to relate to that, but how did you find the time? Uh, Both of you are toddler moms. So how did you find the time to put this together, to launch it? And how much time would you say it took you from start to finish? So to fi- the hardest part to find the time was to have her and I overlap on times to talk about things. So we wanted to do weekly uh, phone calls where we could talk about the game plan for the week and be like, this is what we're going to focus on this week. Let's meet next week and talk about how it went. We probably only ended up being able to do about three of those phone calls because every week something happened with my daughter or her daughter wasn't napping or work got in the way. And so that part was really hard. So we did a lot of our planning through text and through, um, sorry, through Google docs and having like that Google chat. So, um, that part was hard, but the working on it, when we split up the project, kind of like grad school, group project style, where it's like, you work on this section, I'll work on this section. That one, I mean, we just had to make the time. And I mean, this, I, my daughter, um, anyone that follows me on Instagram knows that she's a handful. So I, I don't always get time to work on it. So it's usually late at night. So it, it definitely took some sacrifice and some late nights and early mornings to, to work on it. And I had to, um, pause a little bit of some teachers pay teacher stuff and focus on this. And I think that was the hardest part for Jessica and I, that we had to keep saying like, 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like we were spending so much time working on this and so we didn't want to say, it, but we're like, is it going to be worth it? What if we don't sell any? And we're spending so much time on this. Yeah. But I will say there was a few times where she and I would text and be like, uh, I just had this great chat with someone and that like, I feel like we really need to do this. Like we, we kept getting more and more amped and excited. There were a couple times where like, is our price point right? When we would see other courses come out, but it, it worked out. And so we made the time. It was hard, but we did it. And I think if I didn't have a partner, um, I think it might've only gone faster only because I would only be relying on my own schedule and we wouldn't have to worry about meeting with each other. And it's just, I mean, we already have the fact that we're on the same coast on the West coast in the same time zone working. But if for those people that collaborate, like East coast, West coast timeframe, that's hard. Plus overlapping nap schedules. It's really hard to, to do that, but the actual man hours just working on it. You can, that's the beauty of this business and why, why we all got into it so that we could make some money and work hard um, on our own schedule whenever we want. This is definitely a passive model because you're putting that work in and you're not sugarcoating it. It is hard. It is a lot of hours. You have to make the time somewhere. So usually for us, you know, full-time working moms, that's going to be after they go to bed. If you really want some solid time, because those naps are never as long as we think they're going to be. And so that part is definitely difficult, but the passive piece is that it only gets easier. And now you have this product to be proud of and to help it get out to more teachers over and over. And you know, you are feeling a need. And I love that you talked about getting into that feedback loop a little bit where you were in conversations with your audience throughout so that you knew this was something they needed. And, and I think when you kind of get into that, where you are comfortable talking with your audience, which is something we talk a lot about in uh, Teacher Hustle U is that once you're in conversation with them, that's going to motivate you and give you that momentum to keep it going. Even when, you know, you're putting in the work, you're getting your idea validated ahead of time. And I believe, I think we talked about this on our coaching call that you had a waiting list in place ahead of time, right? So you knew there was interest. You had that kind of promise at least. Right. Well, so we, I only des- decided to do a waiting list from you because one of our, one of our, during our self-doubt moments, so like, are we doing the right thing? Are people going to buy it? You're like, do you have a wait list to, to peak interest yet? And I was like, no, I didn't even think of that because we didn't, at that time, we still, were, we didn't have a finished product. So it was hard for me to say, join the wait list. I don't even know what the finished product looks like yet, but it's going to be great. You know? So it was, yeah. it was hard, but then you're like, but you're not selling anything. People are just saying that they're interested and they're just signing up for nothing, for, not for nothing, but they're signing up like in the hopes to hear about what you have to offer. They don't have to know that it's not finished yet. You right. know, you're just, and then I was like, you're right. And then when I, I would, um, cause it was through my email list, I would tell Jessica, I would say, we got another person to subscribe. We have 88 people that are interested in learning more about what we have to offer. And, and that's how we're like, if even like a quarter of those people purchased it, we'd be happy. It'd be worth it, right? Yeah. It is a very simple move. If you're sure you're ready to do a training, the most simple move you can do is put your feelers out there. Survey, quiz, ask, get in the DMs, start a waiting list. There's no commitment behind that. It's really easy to set up and it gives you some validation that your idea is going to be worthwhile because you are going to be putting time into it. And how do you think the fact that you kind of had this understanding of marketing, you had this background already in how to talk to your audience, how do you think that helped you when it came to launching this course and just 
kind of knowing that process already? I think it helped tremendously. I don't think I would have been able to do it without having the background knowledge of how of the sales copy of how to poke the bear as you taught us to mm-hmm. kind of get at the pain points of our audience. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about how our, our avatar did change, but I think that knowing our avatar made a big difference. And if anyone's listening that doesn't know what an avatar is, it's your ideal customer. You kind of imagine them, you personify that person, you give them a name and you, you really, really go into detail about who they are, what they're doing, what they need, where they're hanging out and kind of knowing that. So going into it with that frame of mind helped us structure the course and what language we used and thinking about what that, what our avatar would need to know and what they go into it already knowing and what they don't know. How change from, you said it was originally special education teachers. And then how did you add regular ed teachers into the mix? So we, so we, we added regular ed teachers. And then we also added other therapists just from the interest that we were getting. I was really, I don't know why I was surprised because as I mentioned, a lot of OTs, most OTs don't get extensive training in sensory integration in grad school, but I was surprised by the proportion of OTs that were saying, I want, can I use this course too? And that's when I was talking to Jessica, I was like, well, yeah, there's no, nothing stopping them. But in our minds, we had, we, our avatar was a new special ed teacher that had been working for, you know, for three years and was just hitting burnout and needed to know more. And then we wanted to add general ed teachers, but the problem with that was we feel like there was, we had to do a lot of work on really tell, like convincing them that they needed this because that was the big thing that you and I had the conversation about. I feel like our product to gen ed teachers is kind of like that as seen on TV product where you don't know you need it until you see it. You're like, yes, I need that selfie stick that attaches to my neck while I'm brushing right to something ridiculous. Or it's like, but you're not necessarily looking really for that. Yeah. No, like I'm not thinking about this last night that I need that tomorrow, but when I see it, like I totally need that. I've had so many, and you know, so we had that big challenge. And I think if we're speaking about how I wish the launch would have gone better. I wish we would have spent more time that in that area. However, I did get some interest from gen ed teachers from like from the UK and for other teachers that were just having those light bulb moments of connecting the behaviors they were seeing to sensory things. That was the problem that a lot of teachers don't really know what it counts as a sensory trigger. And a lot of them are surprised to know that some of the behaviors they're seeing could be linked to sensory behavior. So we added that. And then when I got all of the influx of OT and even speech therapists who were like, I think I really need to learn this. That's when we broadened it. But I mean, you could make the argument that it kind of hurt our launch because it made the marketing process harder to target. Mm-hmm. Um, but the language in the, in the course itself remained true and was helpful for anyone going into it with almost no knowledge of sensory information. It was, we use layman's terms and we included everything that you need to know to think like an OT, to think like an OT with sensory, with a sensory lens and then how to implement it, whether you're a teacher, a therapist, or um, a parent. I was just going to say, how about parents? (laughs) Or a parent. Yes. So yeah. I love that you, that you were flexible and responding to that. And I think that 
to give you a little encouragement on that, you have from now until your next launch to continue to adjust, you know, who you're speaking to and just knowing that that's going to be your more broad audience going into the next launch. You have all of this time to be able to kind of let them know and, and kind of show them how this can benefit their classroom experience. So that's only going to get easier as time goes on for sure. If you could give a piece of advice to someone who's saying, who's listened to this episode and they're thinking, okay, I have something to teach. I have something to say. I think I want to create some kind of online training, maybe a workshop, maybe a course. What kind of advice would you give to that person? So the technical advice I would give to that person is to first, well, once they realize if, if they get to the point where they decide to, whether it's a live workshop or if it's a pre-recorded one, if it's your first one and you're anything like me, you'd probably want to do the pre-recorded ones depending on your niche as well, but do a little bit of research on, well, first deciding how much you're willing to invest financially in it. And then a little bit of research on how you're going to actually deliver it. Because when it got to that point, Jessica and I were scared of not following through. So we said, well, we'll deal with all that technical stuff later. Let's just type out our ideas and, and get the course started and then we'll figure it out. And it became a really big headache later. We had to go back track and it, it became a lot of work. So I would have liked to have more of a plan and, and know which programs we were going to use and know for sure that it would work for what I wanted to do and to invest in it. But the not so technical and just general like inspirational advice I would give is to really understand your worth and that you do have something to teach and to not be scared of doing it. I thought that a course would entail so much more, um, I guess, too much that I I would say, how is someone going to learn from me? How can I teach them this? I can teach them, you know, how to adapt, you know, a certain activity on how to color and break crayons so they can get a grasp, but how am I going to make a whole course on it? And you really just have to think of the, when you just really think of the one avatar and focus on one person and what they need to know versus thinking of what if a hundred people hate this and they complain about it, it really takes away the pressure and helps you focus in more. So just getting to know your avatar will take the fear away and talking to them and focusing on that will help you kind of push through any of the fears. I think that might come up with this big dream of, of creating a course. You know, I think that with a mini course or like a training, think of it as a PD. If you would give a PD, you know, at your school and you would put on a two hour presentation or even a one hour presentation, and you feel like you would have enough to say about your fashion topic in that presentation, then that's what I like about a mini course. It's not a, we're not talking a six week long, you know, super involved signature method, crazy kind of in-depth look at this. We're talking about a training that can solve a need quickly that teachers can turn around and implement. It's a win-win for everybody. It really is because we have less and less time to be consuming this kind of material as well. So, you know, it's easier on you because it's less pressure and it's easier on your audience because they don't have that time. 
But I also love how you said to focus on one person because that's how I got started as well. And we talk about in the crew having a living, breathing avatar, uh, you know, having that one person that you actually know in real life or can talk to online that would benefit from your product and being able to really talk with them and say, hey, I was thinking about putting this in, you know, my training. What do you think about it? And really getting that feedback. Anytime I would get discouraged or feel like I wasn't enough when I was creating the membership, I had one teacher at my school who had just started her business journey online and was coming to me for marketing advice. And I would think, you know what, this is going to help her. And so if it's going to help her, I know it will help others. And you've, you've got to get into that. It's that same feedback loop I was just talking about that gives you that momentum to kind of keep going. I want to thank you so much. You've given like this episode has been probably one of the longest ones I've done. Cause I think we could talk for like two more hours forever. It's also been full of gems for anyone thinking about growing or scaling their business with online education. I have to ask you though, since you're the first official teacher hustle university crew member to ever be on the podcast, uh, I have to ask you to tell the audience what it's been like to be part of the crew and how that's helped you on your business journey. You know, I'm your number one fan in a non-creepy way. Anyone that's listening, I, people, when I share about all my stories about being in the crew and to, to yell at everyone to get into Alyssa's uh, Teacher Hustle University, people are like, are you sponsored? Are you, I'm like, no, I just, I, I seriously believe in it. And it has changed the game so much. And I was new when I got into it. I think I'm, I met you online in like February when I just started this whole thing. But um, once I, I joined, it gave me kind of like that guide, like a road of where to start and where to go. But having you and the, and the crew members kind of give actual um, constructive and concrete feedback and things that they would do has been helpful. It's been great as a sounding board because um, there are some of my avatars in there. There's some, you know, when I want to even ask some personal things about home, like, what do you guys do when you're working on your laptop and your kid keeps like climbing on you? How do you do that? It's just been, I've made such personal connections and I love the, the crew group there. Um, I really want you to blow up and be this huge millionaire success. But like, I also want to keep you to myself and keep our cozy little intimate crew. Maybe the OG crew members will just continue having our inner circle. But um, I feel like proud that I am part of the OG crew members and that I, you know, I'm not a bandwagon jumper in, in a good way, but I'm like, I was with Alyssa from the very beginning. <laughs> I knew she was a gem. Like I, I, I kind of brag about that a little bit. You do love when you have people that take a chance on you in the very beginning, always end up being, you know, the, that's been the feedback loop for me is having you guys in there and actually trying it and using it and coming back and saying this works. Oh my gosh, my sales are looking like this. That's what motivates me. And during my tough times, you know, when my kids are crawling on my laptop, I'm like, nope, I'm going to keep going because I can see the direct results from it. And I think that somehow we are attracting the perfect person to the crew. So I think that no matter how big it gets, it's still going to feel like that. In fact, I know it is going to, because somehow I'm not sure if it's in the messaging or what, somehow we are attracting just genuine, real people who have such 
commitment to their goals and such vision for their business. I have never, I really, I mean, I feel like probably everyone says this about their own group, but I just have never met a group of people that right now we're doing a challenge and we've got two DM groups going and I can't even keep up with the amount of support that's going on in there. Like just back and forth. We're in our secret stories that we just started up and uh, everyone supporting one another is just like, unlike anything I've ever seen. So that is definitely one of the most special parts that I didn't even predict would happen. I didn't even really think that I was kind of creating that. It just happened. I love it. I love being a part of that. And I just feel like I want to add that, as I mentioned earlier, I'm one of those people that I don't get inspired from the glamorous from, you know, there's so many other courses. There's, I feel like there's a new course coming out like every month. That's everyone has something different to offer, not to discourage anyone from, you know, starting a business course on how to teach marketing. But, um, I just really, I have to have that relatability and see you still have that hustle and drive yourself as a mom, as a toddler mom, but not have hired help or not have the freedom of having all day to yourself to do this and not preach work-life balance because you can't have work-life balance because you're going to hustle because you want to do it. And, you know, so that is what I related to. And that's why I love that. I think that's what the, the vibe that you give off that makes us feel more close to you while we're still learning from you, but we're still like, you're still within reach of us. Like I could do that too. And you're still like more of a friend telling us what we can do, but you're also really good about making it flexible of like, I would try this, but you could also try that and see how it works. You know, it's not like if you do this, you're going to fail. You're yeah. do whatever you do. Don't do this. Like you just about- Different things work for different people and it's going to, everyone has a different situation and man, do I wish I could work on this all day because it's my dream job. I love it. I absolutely love it and wish that I could, but it is nice to be able to understand where everyone is coming from. Building a business on the side is, is a tough thing, but it is also, we always talk about this. It's a creative outlet. It's a perfect way to kind of escape for me to escape the other going ons and it's the place where I feel at home and I love being able to share that with all of you too. So that part is, is really great. All right. We want to know for the teachers that are listening and are like, well, maybe I'm not ready for an online course, but I, Laura's course and Jessica's course sounds amazing. And I want to get in on it um, for my own classroom. Is there a waiting list they can join? Are you going to be launching your course again? How can they get in on this? Yes. So we do plan to relaunch. I think we are going to relaunch either in spring or summer, not sure yet. So definitely follow me and Jessica. So my Instagram is at the OT butterfly and Jessica is at foundational underscore OT. And if you want to get on the waiting list, our course is called building a sensory savvy classroom. And the wait list is on my website, the otbutterfly.com forward slash sensory savvy classroom. Perfect. I'll and put that so, all in the show notes so nobody has to write it down. Yes. And we can follow along with your business journey at the same place on Instagram. Is that your best, the best place to follow you? Yes. I am always on Instagram. Send me a DM. That's where I like to connect with my audience most, but I do have a Facebook page. It's just not quite up to date. That's on my list of 2020 things to do. And um, yeah, and on my blog and my website, theotbutterfly.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for answering all of my hundreds of questions and for giving us advice on everything from marketing to starting a course to, you know, momhood and all of the things in between. We so appreciate you. 
Thank you for having me. I hope that this is helpful for anyone listening to give you the encouragement that you can do it. And yeah, happy 2020. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Teacher Hustle podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get the latest episodes. If you have a question for me about marketing, mindset, momming, or even life in general, really anything along the lines of anything that I talk about, you can send me a voice recording over at alyssamcdonald.com slash askalyssa. That's A-L-I-S-S-A. No, I could never get those personalized pencils when I was in elementary school because I spelled my name with an I. Anyway, if you have a question and you send me a voice recording, who knows, your question might be featured on the next podcast. I can't wait to connect with you and I'll see you back here next week.